Film friends, friends of film, and everyone in between, welcome to the Film Folklore Podcast. I am Jed Props, and I am joined today by Justin Sound. Hello. And again, pinch hitting with us today, Heather Ray Costumes. Hi there. Welcome back, Heather Ray. Uh, so, uh, unfortunately, again, Chris, uh, Zoe, and Joe could not be here today. Uh, Joe, uh, I was able to get some intel. He's apparently with Lou Pohl, and uh, they're visiting the Terracotta Army in China. Um, he's such a globetrotter, that guy. Um, and then uh, I was able to talk to Chris and Zoe. And let's see, Chris uh, said that uh, Zoe couldn't be here um, because she was abducted by those damn dirty apes <laughs> with exclamation points. Damn you, damn you all to hell. <laughs> um, and then you realized we were on earth the whole time. Uh, spoiler. Um, and then, uh, uh, and then uh, going over and talking with Zoe, um, uh, she was able to tell us that Chris uh, could not be here today because he was going on a self-finding eat, pray, love vacation. And uh, pray is P-R-E-Y as in to pray upon, not to be confused with praying to a God. I mean, knowing Chris, that's obvious. <laughs> and uh, I also want to reveal that Justin had already made the joke in this text thread of uh, it gives a whole new meaning to eat, pray, love. <laughs> um, uh, that's a plot that we should work out. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta, we gotta the, shop that the, one. The Predator yep. movie, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the yeah, there's yeah, it's it's the prequel. Wouldn't it be pray, eat, love? Um, you know, that's a good question. Um, uh, uh, pray, eat, love. Hmm. I mean, you pray, you eat, you love what you eat. Unless you throw a comma in there awkwardly, like eat, pray, comma, love. <laughs> eat, pray, <laughs> love. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yep. Uh, it took Terms all- of endearment afterward, it kind of level, evens things out a little bit. It mellows it. All of sixty seconds to derail us. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm surprised it took that long. So um, uh, the strikes are over. They've been over. Um, we're just now getting around uh, to addressing the SAG portion of the strikes uh, because we uh, were wanting to get a qualified. Uh, uh, guest on that could speak to it, and um, thankfully we have uh, Adam uh, casting returning with us, and also Adam actor. He's going to put on his actor hat for this one. Um, um, so let's see. We uh, we started off uh, in the first episode, uh, kind of given a general overview of why strike, and uh, I believe we had mentioned that um, um, the CEOs are horrible human beings. Um, and, uh, and, and just to be clear, that's, that's fact. Uh, that's not my personal opinion. I just want to be. Oh no. Complete fact. That. 100% fact. Um, scientifically proven. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in my encyclopedia Britannica that I still keep on my shelf. Um, uh, this is not a new thing. Yes. It's under, words. it's in the first book. It's under a for assholes. So, uh, anyway, then we went into, um, the WGA portion, uh, which uh, again, inviting everyone to go back and uh, listen if you want to refresh a little. And uh, and uh, again, a special thanks to uh, our writer friend Todd Farmer for coming on the show and giving, his, uh, giving us some of his time and thoughts. He was wonderful. Um, and I, I don't want to go too far because we got a lot to talk about. Um, but um, just a quick question for you guys, just kind of getting your two cents. Um, what... Uh, now that the strikes are over, 
and um, at the time of this recording, the the machine that is Hollywood is still gearing up. It takes a second. Um, but how are y'all feeling um, uh, after the guild strikes uh, got resolved? Just because we're not guild people, so that's why I'm asking for your opinions. Well, I'm ready to get back to work. Yeah, I'll I think say that. I mean, right? <laughs> I mean, I think I can speak for just about everybody. Yeah. Um, I am torn a little except bit, that one though. Guy. <laughs> except for that one guy, right. <laughs> I'm a little torn because, yes, I'm tired of, you know, hustling and doing things that are outside my wheelhouse. Um, anything outside of film at this point in my life, basically. Um, but I am very disillusioned with the film industry in general at this point. So there's a... Weird little catch-22 happening as far as getting back to work is concerned. Yeah. Justin? Uh, you know, I'm I'm a little irritated that it has to come to this. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it did, and it does, and it is what it is. <laughs> you know, I mean, I... Uh, but but I'm glad it's over. I'm also a little sad because I know that there's quite a few people that have either left the industry out of necessity or you know not being able to work with some of those people again. Um, but ultimately, glad that it's over and ready to get back to work. Yeah, I I, I share the sentiments with y'all. Um, uh, maybe maybe we'll, uh, I'm I'm gonna grab our soapbox just real quick. Um, I just want to take a moment for people that are a little on the anti-union side or maybe a little ignorant to the union world and not, I'm speaking beyond film, just union in general. And um, I, I just want to defend unionized labor uh, because there are a lot of people out there with uh, a lot of misconceptions about labor unions. Um, and there's also a lot of uh, old stigma attached uh, like Jimmy Hoffa and the Teamsters, for example, Um and uh, what, there's an episode that's hmm, back burner. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, Afi, uh, the mafia, obviously, <laughs> there was a time that the mafia was uh, uh, had a heavy hand. I asked it. lots of questions to the Teamsters when I was working in New York. <laughs> they were a little cagey about their answers, <laughs> but I knew what they were saying. You're asking a lot of questions. You're asking lady. a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> Let me fit you for your concrete shoe. <laughs> um, but... Uh, but and that, and that's what kind of created the right to work system that some states have and everything. It was a way to uh, defend against uh, union corruption. And I'm saying all that to say that now let's get to the present in 2024 where corruption is at an all time minimum. I think, and it's coming from above the unions more than yeah. from the unions. Uh, at you know this what? Point. So it's, I think that's really case in point right there. Well, I'll say corruption of power mm-hmm. when you look at say like uh, Weinstein, for example abusing his position in power but we're all now affected by it collectively mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. again it puts a bag it's a black eye on the industry and so it affects all of us and um and and and, and to be fair he's not an isolated case so it's no. not like oh we caught the one guy you know that's a wrap everyone now we're a clean working system um he was uh, the boss right yeah i mean he was the boss uh <laughs> but it, it, I, I, I'm trying to be fair, but I'm also trying to say that anyone that is in the working class of our country should have an, a vested interest on protecting themselves. And that's protecting themselves as far as their future, protecting themselves uh, with a fair pay for what they're doing, protecting themselves against abuse, such as the Weinsteins of the world. And, and that is why 
union labor is a good thing. Because being able to do that as an individual is highly, highly, highly unlikely. Oh, yeah. I mean. If not impossible. I think I got the number one example of that, the restaurant industry, Mm -hmm. where abuse is rampant. There is no union. There is no protection. Each case is isolated. Um, Maybe if it's corporate and there's an HR, maybe, you know, but most restaurants aren't corporate. And And most restaurants, uh, speaking from experience, because I have been in, (laughs) I've been doing restaurant work while we have been. We are are in Louisiana, sort of a restaurant town. Yeah. And I know of a few places that were, that wanted to unionize and basically they just all got fired. So that's what happens without unions. So, um, you know. Yeah, and I, I, I'll post it um, um, on the episode page, but uh, there's a Fortune.com article that uh, I, I think it's a few months ago now, but I, I want to say mid-November. Um, it was after the strikes resolved. Um, it was the first article I had come across that had put any spotlight on all of us that were caught in the middle. And it was a great read. We've all been suffering from coast to coast. Uh, I think there does need to be more attention to the casualties and byproducts of these strikes because even though we are collectively, I think, overall happy and relieved and and they did deserve to fight for what they fought for, but it also really boned us at the same time. So, you know, that's why we end up with mixed bags of feelings. Um, but, uh, that article was the first thing I had seen that addresses the very real and very tragic byproduct of long strikes and what can happen. Um, Well, and we're not the only people like people in the industry are not the only ones who have been boned. I mean, especially in new Orleans, I mean, it, it just brings in so much money. It's a chain reaction. I mean, it is, I mean, you're not seeing hotels, you're not seeing, you know, restaurants are going under because the people who are coming in town aren't eating out. Print shops. Print shops. I mean, like it, it, it is very, it's super far reaching. And, um, I don't think people take the full picture into account when they're thinking about. Including our state sometimes. Especially our state sometimes. When, when, uh, people want to give certain reports that sort of ignore the tertiary things you just mentioned. Yeah. I don't want to take any more of our time because uh, we need to get into it. But anyone got anything else to add to that before I move on? No? No, I think. No. Uh, All right, let me hold we on. We should get into I just, it. I just got to put the soapbox away. All right. <laughs> so anyway, um, without further ado, uh, let's welcome back Adam Casting slash Adam Actor. Welcome, Adam. Adam, thank you so much for coming back on to chat with us a bit about the actor strike. Happy to be back. Friend of the podcast, Adam Casting, um, and Adam Actor. Um, Today, uh, Adam has his acting hat on uh, to uh, help us uh, navigate uh, the uh, actor strike of 2023, a little bit about the aftermath of it, um, and uh, yeah, let's get into it. Um, So... Uh, I guess to get us kind of going, uh, I'm just going to ask the general question of why strike? What was the reason? It's, I mean, hmm. <laughs> this feels Main like the, <laughs> the early point to put in my disclaimer of like, I'm a union member and a working actor. I'm not a lawyer. I, <laughs> I've attended 
ad nauseum uh, Zoom sessions and union council meetings and stuff to try and like understand everything that was going on. And this was a an intense learning experience, even for myself, about how our union operates. Um, and I think everything has just kind of come to a head in general, not just with our industry. Like there are so many unions striking so many industries in 2023, mm-hmm. uh, truckers, auto workers, uh, hotel workers, like we've reached Waffle House. Waffle House. (laughs) We've just kind of Starbucks. This is not germane just to SAG. We've reached that point where inflation, cost of living, uh, post-COVID realities of world, we are not in a sustainable system of capitalism right now. Yes. And, you know... I know from the outsider perspective, you can view like actors and writers and stuff as being like, oh, they're they're artists and they're millionaires. But so many of them are workaday people that are gig to gig. They're as much in the gig economy as anyone else is as an Uber driver. Most of them moonlight as Uber drivers and things like that because our work is so sporadic uh, and because the streaming way that residuals work like those are some of the big things is our our cost of living has gone up inflation has gone up the residual system with the streaming networks is broken Mm -hmm. the residuals that you would have made on a project 10 years ago maybe even five years ago but definitely 20 years ago it would you could live off of that we can't live off of our residuals anymore so we're not making enough when we get hired to a job and we're not making enough on the money after the job mm-hmm. because it's all going to streaming networks with no other avenues of revenue then there is the obviously uh looming sky is falling aspect of ai and scanning people and cg replacements for us and the nature of how that impacts our career there's you know a thousand different ways that we feel like we are just being chipped at and dwindled at and made smaller and the opportunities are harder to acquire and you know we've seen how the theater system has changed. And now you're seeing prestige A-list actors that are leading TV shows instead, because now we were in that golden age of TV. And now that's starting to kind of sour as well, because we generated so much content and I hate that word, but that's really what it was. We cranked out so much stuff that preceding both the WGA and SAG strike. If you really watched, I feel like I saw the most first run seasons of shows canceled because they didn't get viewers because we have put out more content than people on the planet can view enough for them to make their money back. So we kind of have done this thing where like the whole system as a bubble, I think kind of popped. And part of that is why we had to strike. And part of it is because of COVID. And what I mean by because of COVID is some protocols and some systems changed with how we audition, what's expected of actors self-taping, what's expected from producers and from the showrunners when they are hiring us. A lot of that got changed by the new realities of it. But also in 2020 was also a negotiating year for us. We were on a three-year cycle. So in 2020, no one was working a strike would have been useless. (laughs) Nothing was happening. Everyone's afraid for their literal lives at certain points of it. We're trying to figure out all kinds of stuff and everyone's just wondering, do we go back to work? When do we go back to work? How do we go back to work? 
So at that time, I believe 2020, if it weren't for COVID, we maybe wouldn't have struck, but our big, big point in 2020 would have been about the residual system because at that point, we already knew the residual system was not working. Mm -hmm. It had changed and our livelihood was getting diminished. But because of COVID, we essentially shelved it and we kind of went, okay, we'll do a little bit of negotiating, but we, we just need to kind of move on. So I feel like the negotiations and that cycle across the board were a little bit of like, guys, we don't know what's going on in the world. How can we really fight for things? And so you end up pushing that stuff back. So now we've got the two big, I think, pillars of it were residuals and AI. And uh, uh, Joe Stunt's um, friend uh, of ours, he had uh, laid it out um, to me that if you go back, say, 15 plus years ago uh, or longer, back then, if uh, he, this is his words, but he was basically saying, if I'm to say percentage-wise roughly uh, what my expectations are from, say, my paycheck and then my residuals, he said it was kind of 50-50 back then. And he said, to give you an idea of how much it's changed, now it's more like 85% on the paycheck and 15% on, on the residuals. Mm -hmm. He's like, that's how much it's shifted. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and and they're not getting paid more to the at the start exactly so to make up for that exactly disparage and that's something I I think we talked I think we talked about it in the first uh, strike installment when we were talking about how all the CEOs are fucking assholes um, but uh, <laughs> we can talk about that in more than one installment I don't feel like that's an installment yeah. specific thing yeah. and and them banding off podcast <laughs> yeah. them banding together the, as the AMPTP as one entity is such an obnoxious like it's just put all the evil in one basket like uh anyway uh i gotta have to digress from that but uh i think we were talking a little bit uh in that first one though we were talking about residuals in general and we've talked about above the line below the line a little bit but there are people out there that are like why do they get residuals and everything and my whole thing because I, I you know being a below the line worker i've definitely had you know heard other crew members over the years going like oh, i don't get a residual you know kind of thing but the way i have explained it in the past the way i look at it is um it's it's a thing that was negotiated a long time ago and once something's negotiated in, then it's there. You don't negotiate out of those things. They once you you win, you win that into your world, and now it's a part of your world. So now that expectation is there with that world. So when that uh, piece is going away, and I think as Fran Drescher put it, uh, we needed a new pocket to go in. I think is how she phrased it. But that's true because the expectation of that income is no longer there. Yes, and that is is kind of speaking to what you just said. Um, uh, uh, she she had said, I, I think I have it down here. We needed to get into a new pocket because the normal pocket doesn't have money like it used to. So we found a new pocket to be in. So um, uh, and also shout out to Fran. I mean, wow. Oh, she did a fantastic. Yeah, job. I mean. I, who could have guessed that the nanny, <laughs> the nanny. <laughs> yeah. would end up being a fierce negotiator? You know, um, uh, she's from Queens, of course. She yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's also. I mean, she's a she's she's a survivor. Um, she's. I mean, she, that woman's. She's a powerful woman. It's a th It's um, one of those weird things where, like, it's hard to separate once you connect someone with a character, right? Like, no, that she's she is a person and we think of the nanny, but yeah. she has her own like thing that she's been doing the whole time. Yes. That, 
this was like a moment where you got to see her shine. Yeah, for sure. How long has she been president? Or is it, is it president? Uh, or? Yeah. yeah. President. Uh, I think this was just her first cycle. She oh. was just voted in um, 2020, I believe. Oh, right. Or uh, I say 2020 because that's when our last negotiations were, but I, that's not accurate. Our When we vote for our... Um, our president and our, you know, local presidents and all that kind of stuff. That's on a different cycle. So I don't think she started in 2020. Maybe it was 21 or 22, but not that long, but yeah, no, not that long. Right. And then, and then her right hand man is uh, Duncan Crabtree, Ireland. Is that yes. Right? Um, he's our lead negotiator during all of the, and I, he's a face that I didn't know until the strikes are going on. Um, uh, do you know a little bit about him or, or his background? Not really. I thought I thought it was I, pretty solid for somebody that I just. I mean, from from our you know standpoint or vantage point, like it just you know he's just a face in the crowd that that showed up and yeah, like oh well, this guy seems to be pretty on his stuff. You know, good for him. Watching enough like Q and A sessions and stuff, whether you uh, agree with the results of the strike or not, because I know there's contention within the union about that. Um, you cannot deny that he is an exceedingly intelligent person. Like when he would respond to people, there's, he is a lawyer, not a performer, but he can, he seemed to sympathize and empathize and understand. Like I am, you know, I know what it is you do and I'm trying to represent that. Um, you can debate till you're blue in the face, whether or not he represented it well. But when I watched him respond to, forums with SAG members, I was like, okay, even when I don't agree with what he said, I feel like he's on my side. Mm -hmm. I feel like, cause it, it can be very easy when we're in a precarious situation to vilify who you can see contact with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to see Bob Iger. <laughs> like, I'm not I, like, I don't have access to him. I kind of theoretically have Probably access, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I kind of theoretically have access to <laughs> how you like your shins. Iger. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to blow up a yacht or two. Yeah. That's it. Mm -hmm. uh, Isn't it the worst when you have to wait to buy your third yacht? Just, <laughs> yeah. or, you, or you got to get it used on Craigslist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, this yacht's a 2016. <laughs> Stupid actors uh, holding me up. Uh, now I got to get a bigger yacht to put my other yacht inside of. <laughs> uh, I hate them so much. Um, but but I want to say kudos to you, Adam, because uh, it, you now uh, for two separate episodes have been wonderfully going through my questions before I can get to them. <laughs> um, like it's a good mind meld we have. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, um, you were starting to t talk a, a little bit about um, uh different opinions about the outcome. Hmm. Um, but uh, could we touch on uh, a little bit uh, briefly about what what are uh, arguably the main points that were won? So, and <laughs> I really should have brushed up on this because we, we were so invested in all of the strike talk when it was happening and then the ratifying the contract uh, that the second it was done and I knew it was done, part of my brain was like, good, and just shut it off. <laughs> it was like, because 118 day strike and then a 38 day like ratification period voting and everyone debating what we thought of the new proposed contract and whether to go back on strike and not like all that kind of stuff. Like there was, there's, you know, with the statements from the CEOs and it basically at times feeling like a war of attrition who's going to outlast. There's there's definitely a breaking point. There's a point where you're like, I, I can't keep talking about mm -hmm. this because it's like, 
it's not changing the game. Right. But I think the big points that we won, we did get much higher. Well, never as high as we want, but we got higher residuals or higher initial pay. So our initial basic contract of like what you get for a day or a week, a month, however long you're working, uh, we got increases over the next three years of each one of those. That's going to account to, I think, 11.5 or 12.5% increase over the next three years. Now, technically, we were already behind inflation. And over the next three years, things are going to continue to inflate. So is it keeping up? Is it really adjusting to where we want it to? Probably not. But one of the things that they tried to do is this sort of, um, I don't know the right term for it legally, some sort of collective bargaining idea of like, well, we gave the WGA, say, 5%. So we can only give SAG 5%. And so a big part of the back and forth was, I don't care what you gave a different union. This is what we need. This is what we are asking for. So even though we didn't get necessarily as much as we wanted, the fact that we got a different amount than another union. The fact that we were able to say, you need to treat us as an entity, Mm -hmm. not treat the entire industry as an entity, I think is a overall win for all negotiations. Which that's, that's my hope for the future is that all the guilds and unions come together as one entity to uh, have a square off with their one entity and then we all get popcorn while our top negotiators collectively get in a punch out with the AMPTP. Uh, in like celebrity death match, throw a couple of like shivs yeah, into the arena. Some, some good shit on television. That's yeah. what people are going to yeah. pay for. And guess what? Unscripted. Yeah, unscripted. Uh, so reality TV. Yeah, I mean, again, not even the companies, just the CEOs, have made enough money in the last five years that they could have paid for the entire film industry to have a livable wage while uh, negotiations were going on. That's how much money they have. Yeah. And it would not, I mean, it wouldn't have put a dent in their income. And the the WGA, a lot of the success to the SAG strike, I give to the WGA because the WGA is much smaller than us. It's like 11,000 members. Um, and they were so organized and they were so on point and they had communicated with their members so well that when they started putting out memorandums and materials and again, disclaimer, like all the numbers I'm saying, I don't have this stuff memorized. I'm just sort of ballparking, but you know, it's okay. We're not too good with yeah. numbers on the show, we but like they, uh, they don't like those numbers. <laughs> yeah. They, they got out there and basically said that kind of stuff of like, we are asking for, you know, $450 million overall increase over the next three years on our contract. That would cost Netflix 0.02% of their profit. <gasps> that would cost Disney, you know, 0.1%. It would be like, like if all, and they would just focus on like those big ones. So the, because the AMPTP actually consists of like 300 something small companies. Oh yeah, companies. We, we, we did talk about yeah. that. Uh, but if you but it's boil the big them tech down. Ones. It's, it's the top five. Well, and also <laughs> they like to tout the like 400 whatever companies. But if you really look at it under a microscope, most of those companies are owned by other companies yeah, yeah. inside of the AMPTP. Yeah. So you're really talking about 20-ish companies yeah. at the end of the day. And of those 20-ish companies, you have the... What was the nickname that they were given the top people at the end? Um, oh, uh, 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 I think it was um, the collective asshole. Uh, was there something name? like that? Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, it uh, wasn't. It is now. Yes, it is now. Yes, um, they all shit from one anyway. Um, but uh, uh, those top 
people like your uh, Bob Iger, your um, Zar Zaslav, Zaslav. Thank you, um, uh, Bezos. Bezos. Although Bezos kind of stayed quiet throughout the whole thing, it felt like yeah, he was making enough money. Smart move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He comes out a lot cleaner because he's like, I mm-hmm. was at least smart enough to not make a dumbass Marie Antoinette comment. <laughs> Iger. Um, but they did do the 007 reality show. <laughs> Let's not forget. Fair. Um, I'm talking about spaghetti at a wall. That's what, um, Bezos can do because <laughs> he's got the money. Mm. I don't know if people like it or not. Let's just see. Yeah. Um, okay. That didn't work. Who cares? Uh, one thing I did want to point out, um, that's, uh, to your point with, with, uh, inflation and everything. Um, uh, so people, uh, know the, the, rubber stamp auto assumption is a 3% increase Mm -hmm. is how uh, they kind of view trending with the market. However, coming out of COVID and everyone, um, film industry or not, knows when they go to the grocery store, there's a definite difference in the price of their groceries. That's because it's been more than a 6% increase instead of the three. Yeah. So more than double. And uh, that's the wage disparity and the loss of income that's happening. Yeah. So did want to get into uh, the AI talk. Right. So kind of back to your earlier question about like the wins. So that's going to be one of the highly debated things is whether or not we won anything in the AI talk and the streaming residuals talk, which is, I think are pretty part and parcel. Did you have a specific question about the AI or do yeah, you want I, me to no, just no, kind of go into You've been doing such a great job. I was just going to see if you went there. See if um, I could guess what you're going to ask. Yeah. Um, so if you were working as a stunt double, a body double, et cetera, how do you feel about like you personally about having your face replaced by some other actor, some other person uh, just from a professional standpoint? And then um, kind of the part B, uh, I guess, to that question is, it's already happening. Uh, I don't know how aware maybe the average viewer is, but it's it's already been a thing. And yeah, like you know, everyone's going to get more than less as we continue. So everyone was talking about like body scanning and stuff, and the way that they wanted to pay people for that, and like that basically scanning people for a production, and then like just oh, I can scan say a background actor for a day, but then plug them in wherever I need them throughout the rest of the thing. That's not new. Uh, And neither is some of the CG work that has done that before. Huge crowd scenes in the Coliseum for um, any sporting event. It's rare that a filmmaker is going to be able to go, okay, let's fill Tiger Stadium with 90,000 people. No, you're going to fill it with 4,000 people and just repeat them Mm -hmm. everywhere or Mm -hmm. something. And 4,000 would even still be a huge number. Um, And with like the face replacement thing like you can go back and watch like i think one of the more famous things is uh jurassic park when the young girl like falls through like the ceiling and the velociraptors like snapping at her feet and she looks directly up at camera if you watch the behind the scenes it's the stunt actress did Mm -hmm. that and they went back in and they put uh the actress's face over her face so it's not a new thing. We've been doing it since 1994 or before. Yep. Like that's, I think in stunts, that is an aspect that has existed. Like you're there to be the star and do the thing that the star can't do or that the company won't allow the star to do mm-hmm. in some places, in some situations and stuff. So I don't know if your face gets covered up to look like the person that you are theoretically in the story supposed to be, 
I, me personally, I don't have a problem with that. I don't, I don't think many stunt people would be like, no, I want you to know it's me because you're doubling someone. That's well, not your job. The point is to hide the yeah. face. Most the point is to hide time. you. Right, yeah. exactly. But when we start getting, because so for anyone that doesn't know, SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, oversees so many different avenues. Like we oversee broadcast journalists. We oversee um, stunt performers. We oversee background. We oversee hosts and live performers in that situation. We oversee you know TV and film and commercial actors. And not everyone won equally on this. And I th- I fully understand why stunt performers are the most scared of being replaced by the AI body scanning situation because there is a very real hypothetical I uh, maybe has happened I don't actually know but where you are going okay we're going to do this movie uh with the rock we're going to body scan him we're going to let him do the things that we want him to do uh but when he gets stepped on by king kong we're just going to use the cgi and when he gets pulled behind the vehicle in Fast 75, you know, we're just going to use the CGI body scan. We're just going to start using that instead of using his body double and having them actually do the practical stunts and actually have the days on set. And then you go, okay, well, you know, so a stunt actor doesn't work as much. Well, then that's hair, makeup, crew. Everyone doesn't work as much if it's all done on the computer and not done in person. Uh, so that's where it gets into this weird yeah, so kind of place. Yeah, people realize it's not just affecting the actors no. or the stunt people or, you know, it all falls down the line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think the big contention is it's difficult to say whether or not we won anything. Like, I, I wouldn't even say that we won anything in the AI in the sense of, like, a true victory. I think we came out better than we had. Do you think it's because we don't really know the actual capabilities because it's just advancing so fast and like teaching itself in such a terrifying there, way? There's definitely a little bit of a snake eating its own tail thing of like, we can talk to people that work in that industry and they can tell us like, these are the capabilities and this is mm-hmm. where it's going, mm-hmm. but it's hard to then make a concrete payable contract on sure. this is where it's going, but not where it currently is. And because we have, again, like a three-year contract cycle, I think one of the reasons that we ended up with the contract we did is to go, okay, we are going from absolutely zero AI protections to now we have these 16, 20 some odd pages of AI protections, quote unquote, uh, and ways in which you will be compensated in certain situations and ways in which you can be protected from being fired in certain situations when AI is involved, there's a lot of like things like that, that we were starting to try and get into the contract and try to negotiate with, you know, the AMPTP, which by and large, these main companies are also tech development companies. So, so there there has to be anticipate another in the next three years to have another, because it's, we have to enough or so much in three years. Well, and well, it's also, I mean, WGA as well, part of it was just getting the language in the contract because like there was no language in the contracts. So going from no language to some language gives you legal precedent and the abo- ability yes. to legally battle things. And I think that's something that people lose sight of because I think there is some naivete in unions and populists that wanted AI to be banned. That's, 
I'm sorry, that's dumb. That's dumb. That's like saying Mm -hmm. we're not making money from the streaming residuals, so let's ban streamers. You you cannot mandate that. You you just kind of can't. And I think that I think some of the backlash from when we got a contract to start voting on is that there was people that truly believed that we were fighting to ban the use of AI. And as we've been saying, they've been doing body scans and they've been using AI and versions of CGI to get things done for years now. Yeah. uh, uh, Was it Oblivion? Um, uh, Tom Cruise and his stunt double are in a fight with each other, but they went back and put Tom Cruise's face on the other one because he's supposed to be a clone of himself. Yeah. And and so when you watch the movie, it looks like Tom Cruise is fighting Tom Cruise. But uh, it was a hundred percent stunt double in a suit, you know, with the the mo mo cap. No, no, mo cap. Yeah, I guess it's yeah. mo cap. But um, yeah, I mean, that's what Oblivion was twenty twelve ish era. Something it was like a while that. back. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's obviously more recent than Jurassic Park, which I did not know. That's kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, it's been around. It's not going anywhere. Um, uh, I don't know if, uh, are, are you savvy with the stock market? Cause I, I got some startup shares with this little fledgling company called Skynet. I didn't know <laughs> if it was a good investment or not, but the, you make a lot of money <laughs> up until the very end. Right, right. <laughs> you might want to cash out I, slightly before. The I think leave. Skynet is a very good investment. <laughs> I think also food supplies, uh, and a bunker, you know, <laughs> I, so, I'm not a the sky is falling type person. Mm -hmm. I honestly believe that AI is going to already is and will continue to become a powerful tool used in certain ways. I think there is a way to navigate it so that it is a tool, which this is, I think, the main part of the WGA's point was AI can be a tool, but you still have to hire a writer and you cannot ask a writer to edit an AI script. Mm-hmm. And this, like, I think there's some aspects to that. And I think it gets a little bit harder when we're talking about like AI generated performers. Right. And it gets into, I think in one of the Q and a forums I was in, there was discussion of like, if a movie was made entirely of AI performers, it technically does not fall under a SAG contract or it falls under an animation contract. Mm-hmm. It does not, it didn't employ us as performers, so no one got compensated for it. You know, it's different if you hire 100 performers, scan all of them, and then make the movie off of that, then that's a whole different thing. And, mm. and both have their own like well, it's also, hive of wasps you got to deal with. It's also voices, though, too. Like it, It's not just... It's not just a but, physical image. It's about yeah. voices as well. The AI. But we've all received a phone call from a robot at this point. Yes. That sounds like a woman saying, hey, I noticed that your credit card bill is blah, 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 blah. Would you like me to upgrade you to this, you know, hire yeah. you? Like, like AI voices came before well, any yes, of the I imagery. trustworthy stranger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Let me give you my social security number. Your generic pitch sounds great to me. <laughs> if, if I had to get predictive I would, and we are already seeing some of this where people are suing mm-hmm. because they go, I did not do that thing, and you've got my voice right. in it. That's and kind of where I was going. That's with that. where mm-hmm. the same thing will end up happening with the imagery because the collective of assholes, they're going to go try and do what they can do. They're going to go try it and see if we back up our contract and see if we go after them and say, you can't do that. And 
the contract says you can't do mm-hmm. that. That's the yin and the yang of it. Uh, that I, I, I know just from from a union standpoint that uh, we get frustrated oftentimes with the the right to work state concepts, mm. and right now the right to work is at an all time low in popularity. Like even conservatives are actually starting to get on board with unions, and I, I mean. 478 if you're listening and IOTC in general. Yes, please. Um, but this is an opportunity to get in front of it. It's an opportunity to give more power to the worker. For people who are anti-union, I think it, it, it boils down to that very basic thing of, do you want fair protections at your workplace? And that at its most base core is why the theory of union exists. It's to have better health conditions, better standards, mm-hmm. better retirement protections, all these things uh, for the worker. And actors are workers, no different. And a lot of this stuff gets lost in translation because there was so much volatility going on during the strikes. Yes, A lot of misinformation circulating, uh, a lot of it tactical misinformation circulating. And uh, SAG in particular, I thought did a really great job of patiently wading through it where um amptp would put out some accusations they were all you know posturing at at the negotiating table people showing up people not showing up you know that kind of thing and it really failed uh on the amptp side that it just made them look worse they took a lot of gambles thought that they were going to come out pretty good and at the end of the day they came out worse uh both pr wise and also just from a you know business standpoint it just looked like bad business at the end of the day well and then some basic logic moves too of like every time you say the phrase this is our last best final offer yeah yeah yeah, okay Okay, so you're just gonna do this without us if we say no you're gonna be like great well that was the end of hollywood it had a good run thank you for your time everyone go your separate ways i mean like what what are you talking about it's a that, negotiation. There's no such thing as last, best, final. You don't get to strong arm. I'm glad you brought that up because I had completely forgotten and erased that from my memory. This is our last, final, and best offer. that They did that to the WGA. Yeah. That did it to us. And in both times, guess what? There was another, there was another. better offer. Yeah. <laughs> like, what a fucking... Ah, that's just it's so obnoxious. Um, that is a great example of how it speaks to the disconnect, uh, their disconnect to basically the worker employee side of their world. And I mean, it's the other thing too, it's like until Skynet gets going, they need us, you know, to, to do their projects. I mean, that's the other thing of it is that like, I, I want to say Fran had brought it up. Um, I think it was brought up a few times and everything, but it's like, we don't want to be at odds we all want similar things and we all need to work together yeah. but you collective assholes are making it as hard as possible so that you can save a few bucks and that's that's where it's uh, gotten so frustrating through that entire process yeah but um uh well the, the and i i think a thing to stress or to understand too is when we're talking about these contracts in I might be wrong, but I think in basically all cases, what we are arguing for and what we were fighting for was a basic contract, which simply means that everything is negotiable, but this is the minimum. Mm -hmm. 
this is the basic protections. This is the minimum pay for this type of day or this type of work or this type of thing. And union members and the power of a union being built on its membership is that you have the ability to say, hey, here's this job. This is their want to pay me local hire in a right to work state as the you know basic minimum of like this much. Well, I can go, great. I have 16 years experience. I want more. I want this, or you have to give me this, or because I got this on my last three projects, this is what I expect. Or, you know, hey, we're going to scan you and do this and this. Well, no, I'm going to say no. And my contract gives me the right to say no to that. And, you know, there's things like that that we can advocate for ourselves and advocate with our union reps on jobs because we're given a basic minimum. When people talk about this idea of like, well, maybe you'd be better off if you didn't have a union, go, great, we're artists. That's a race to the bottom. Because if all I want to do is act, I don't want to deal with contracts. I don't want to deal with this bullshit. I don't want to deal with negotiating my right to act. Then I'd go, great, $500. Jed will do it for 400. Great, I'll do it for 350. (laughs) Right? Like, Mm -hmm. I just want the job. I want to go to work. I want to get on set. I want to do my craft. And it would be a race to the bottom. So our basic contracts gives us the floor, not the ceiling. And I think a lot of people forget that because it has been, it has become a, an accepted thing that the contract is both the floor and the ceiling mm-hmm. and people don't advocate for going above the floor. I mean, that definitely happens in the IATSE world as well. Like, mm, uh, yeah. I mean, big time because it's like, well, we're paying scale. And if you don't want to pay, if you don't want to do it, then we're going to find somebody who will do we'll it. We'll find the scale person that will, you know? Yeah. And that, uh, that, I mean, that's a conversation to be had, but, IATSE missed a oh major God. opportunity. You had them at, by the balls. Well, not. I, I was really. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about with the the strikes last year. I, I can't think of that uh, Teamster woman's name, but um, she was out on the picket lines with WGA, with SAG, showing support, uh, saying Teamsters got your back. We're all in this together. Where was IATSE? Nowhere to be Nowhere. seen, Matt Loeb. Um, who I well, technically just met. He was in for all of 30 seconds at our hall um, for a retirement thing. But I just, I mean, I think he's smart enough to get out of the room before anyone can say anything. Mm. But it's that thing of like, you know, now he's speaking up and he's saying, he's making comments like to the AMPTP, like, do not test our resolve. And it's like, what resolve? They already, res- <laughs> they, yeah, <laughs> they won. They won over your resolve that uh, stuffed your pockets. Make us in the last... look dumber than we are yeah. already. I, I, it's just, it's very frustrating. Yes, very much Again, so. We'll get to that conversation in another episode. <laughs> um, but uh, kind of winding us down and getting us out of here, um, uh, do you have any uh, thoughts um, maybe to add as work is returning? Um, things maybe you're optimistic about or looking forward to as the machine does gear up and get going? Um, I think that I think some of our big fears are not going to happen as quickly as everyone feared they were going to happen. I don't see like even the first few auditions that I've had since the strike ended and stuff coming back, no one has said anything about scanning me. And like, I know that was a big part of it is that, oh, you're just going to scan us all and put us in a hard drive and then never hire us again, which we have things in our contract that would prevent that from happening. And then you can have a whole debate on whether or not our union is strong enough to litigate if it did happen. 
but to, for for that point in the contract, does it is it give you the option? You could say you can you can have the option to be scanned if you want to be scanned. Essentially, a, a project has to tell you up front we are going to scan you, and okay. they have to give you a certain amount of time. Like I can't show up on set and be told, "Oh, hey." Get in the box. And go scan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you have to be given, I think it's 48 hour notice so that you have the ability to negotiate okay. on what the scan is being used for, how you're compensated for the scan, um, the scope of the scan. We have language in place that I believe limits any scan to that particular project and that particular contract. So if you scanned me for an episode of Chicago Med, uh, then I'm not going to pop up three episodes later in Chicago med or pop up on Chicago fire or something else or one yeah. of the 15 other. Yeah. Or one of the other or <laughs> any, anything else that Dick Wolf creates. Like it's essentially like a, a, a one-time use for that contract because all of our contracts are like that. I, I have a contract for an episode. I have a contract for a picture unless you're, you know, Robert Downey Jr. Is someone getting like a six picture deal. Mm. Uh, it's per project. So I think the scanning language is also per project. Um, and it protects us to, if a project says like, hey, we need to scan you for this thing, I have the right to say no. And they have the right to say, okay, we're going to replace you. But at that point, the contract would have been engaged and I think I would still receive compensation for it. And there's, the, you know, there's like time periods, all kinds of, like it gets very legalese in that area that mm-hmm. I can't speak to. Well, and, and. I don't think we need to go into those. No, no. <laughs> but I think page that, 43. Yeah. So <laughs> section, <laughs> section C uh, we have, I, I think it's like a, now after this negotiation, we're like closing in on a 300 page like document when wow. we're talking about this. So when we do negotiations, we're just adding pages and addending pages that already exist. Our, it just gets bigger and bigger. Our spinoff podcast will be a sleep aid where we can read. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> just, you got to get the, someone with the right voice. Yeah. Yeah. Get, uh, get a friend of the podcast, Robert. In. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> get Robert in get here Robert. to just read subsection A. Yeah. And so on the third day after the engagement of the contract. But <laughs> Contracts and sheets. <laughs> That's actually, you know, might be onto something here. Uh, maybe it, like, it would be kind of cool if there was a sleep podcast and you could put in requests and you you could say like contract uh, ASMR or, or uh, uh, <laughs> any chapter from Silas Marner uh, if you could read that in the most monotone voice um, you know I, I, um, I could I could use the sleep but we we went down that path and I forgot what the initial question was <laughs> well no I mean uh, I I think I think we, we addressed it pretty soundly that's. Uh, uh, speaking to the AI, um, the only thing that I would oh, add to yeah, that yeah. conclusion is um, uh, kudos again to uh, uh, SAG for also uh, having the back of the background actors. Hmm. That was a nice, pleasant mm-hmm. thing where it's like, hey, you're speaking up for the little guy. That's cool, you know, because a lot of those people aren't even technically in SAG. Um, well, but they are. They are. Oh, they they are in now. LA, so they have a they have. A uh, yeah, we have a we have a large portion of our membership, especially on the coasts, because uh, okay, we have um, it's like protected zones, mm-hmm. and so like that was one of the big wins for background actors is that in protected zones we had like a minimum that you have to hire. So if you're putting 
you know, 300 background in a scene, if you're in like LA and New York and some places, you have to hire a minimum number of union actors. And I think it used to be like 48. Like, so if you're hiring 300, 48 of them have to be union members paid union wages. Mm. And then after that, it's whatever. Uh, I think we doubled that number. I think they have to hire like 70 or maybe even 80 like union members for certain jobs. So we increased the number of required. Or is it a number? I want to say it's a number. Uh, I think it may be a percentage on commercials, but this wasn't a commercial uh, contract negotiation. Hmm. Um, But for that situation, like we doubled the number of union members that would be guaranteed some work. And then you can debate whether or not that matters if they go to work and the workday is getting scanned and then not working on the rest of the thing. And so it, it all gets very complicated with that. But w- I think there are very big wins for background actors and the amount of pay they make. I think there are very big wins, and we haven't really discussed any of this, in um, uh, equity and inclusion areas, in sexual harassment areas, in protection areas, in working with um, uh indigenous groups with BIPOC people with uh, people in other uh, protected minority groups. There were big wins in making sure that they are treated fairly and humanely. And like there's stuff in like hair and makeup and like making sure that someone is qualified to work with someone that is not a white guy that looks like me. Yeah. Because it's not a requirement in beauty schools, I guess, or uh, cosmetology or, um, hair schools and stuff to learn how to deal with ethnic hair types. And so a lot of times people are going to set and being told like, well, this, this person's going to deal with your hair and then they fry their hair because they don't know how to do it. And there's, or they're being expected to do their own hair and makeup because they don't have qualified people on set dealing with their hair and makeup because that's a, a situation. I see a nod of approval from Amy, uh, who's patiently waiting over there. Thank you, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and there are things like that that we definitely like continue to strengthen our contracts on. We had areas for sexual harassment and for being able to report and take care of people in those situations. And we strengthened some of the language in that. We had areas uh, where pay increased. We have a residuals sharing uh format that we're experimenting with that's similar to the wga thing of like success-based residual bonuses for things going on streaming networks and there's stuff like that that i think we just kind of have to it's why we negotiate every three years we're going to find out if it works we're going to find out how they screw us because they will yeah and then we're going to go back and we're going to try and plug up a few more holes in the ship as it's sinking (laughs) like that's what we do every three years it's like all right the front's flooding real bad let's move some people to the back and let's see if we can bail up there (laughs) that's actually that's a good closing uh uh, thing is the most guaranteed thing we can say is that they uh amptp will be spending the next three years figuring out how to find the loopholes in the contract to get the most out of their end that is definitely a guarantee. Um, what what language did we miss in a contract? You know that they can still exploit, or it's just how they operate. And that's why they get paid the big bucks. That's how the rich stay rich. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think that's a good closing note. Um, 
uh, eat the rich, everyone. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> <laughs> as as I leave to go to Costco and drop six hundred dollars. Um, uh, but uh, Adam, thank you uh, for coming by and helping uh, us navigate that a little bit. And Absolutely. Uh, I hope I talked the least bit out of the side of my ass on some of what I said. No, no, I think yeah, that's that pretty was enlightening because I kind of I've zoned out since I have no, you know, uh, I'm just like waiting for it to all resolve itself because I have no voting capabilities, nothing. So I've you've actually enlightened me a lot about the details of stuff. So thank you for that. Cool. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a lot of listeners who feel the same way. Yeah, I think so. And and, and uh, we, we always remind people at the end, but um, uh, if anybody wants to give their two cents on this whole thing, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Zoe will tell you more about that at the end. But yeah, Adam, thank you so much. And I uh, hope to see you on set soon. Thank you. Hope to get back immediately. Yep. All right. All right. Thank you. All right. I want to thank Adam again for joining us today. That was awesome and educational. And also, uh, I think we managed to uh, thread a needle of not being too boring and also stay interesting because contract talk is not known for being fascinating. (laughs) So No, but it was he made it real accessible. And I appreciate that because I've kind of glazed over for a lot of it since I have no control over any of it. So I've just kind of been biding my time and... It was very enlightening. So there's a lot of um, uh, a lot of rumor and conspiracy and all kinds of stuff that's kind of been running rampant in the wake. Uh, well, actually during the strikes too, but also in the wake, you know. And you get all this pro union, anti union, pro film, anti sag. Um, it, it it's it's all divisive, and it's unfortunate because it's I I feel like if it is an intended thing, y'all can weigh in if you agree or disagree, but. If it is an intended thing, it's an intended wedge between the above the line and below the line. Like basically, you know, get the the crew, the below the line to be against uh, the actors, the writers, you know, in that world because it maybe benefits the AMPTP ultimately to put pressure on them when they were, you know, doing their negotiations. But again... Maybe it's just conspiracy theory, you know, but um, uh, do y'all want to speak to that uh, real quick? I mean, this was a great reminder that the actors are on team crew, not not team producer, right? You yeah. Know? I mean, we think of actors as being, you know, the big time actors, the A-list yeah. actors. Yeah. And, you know, we don't think about the ones who are just grinding like we are as crew members mm-hmm. you know they, there's a lot of people that are just grinding it out and trying to most get them. somewhere most of them exactly and same with writers and same you know so i i definitely supported even though it was devastating financially to so many people including myself um i i mean it's a necessary evil because there is evil to be fought mm-hmm. yep. it, it does feel that way and the I guess the the last note that I wanted to make that I I don't think we've talked too much about, but these other unions that have gone on their strikes, like UAW, the United Auto Workers, one thing that's kind of fascinating that I hadn't really thought about, uh, but they're negotiating with each company individually. And there's an advantage there to that because let's say they make a deal with Ford. Well, those Ford employees can go back to work. So at least there's some work happening while they're negotiating. And it puts pressure on those other companies. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. That's where the AMPTP 
is evil because yeah, it's all or nothing. That is by design. Yep. And that is that the reason I just said is why that thing is existing. It's not existing for any benefit other than their own. Well, anybody in power, and we can look at United States government back after the Civil War to explain this, like they want to create an us against them mentality. Because you mean that wonderfully termed era called Reconstruction? Correct, correct. Nothing was reconstructed. <laughs> Except ra more racism. Yes, yeah. exactly. You know, it's like, well, you know, it, and you know, and, and I, think it, I think it backfired <laughs> in this, exactly. I think it backfired in this situation like Justin was saying, like mm -hmm. they wanted us to, you know, be mad at the actors. They wanted the below the line people to be, you know, upset with actors and writers. And it's like, no, we support you. We definitely yeah. support everything you're doing because it it it's further reaching than just you. It affects us. It affects it affects everything yeah. in the industry. Like and and outside of the industry, like we were talking about, you know, as far as the community and the, you know economic standpoint of certain places too it really affects it um even though you know uh, zoe wasn't here i will close on um simpsons union episode um that uh, lisa simpson saying um will march day and night by the big cooling tower they have the plant but we have the power because the power is in numbers people and unfortunately zoe couldn't oh god there's apes everywhere oh my god zoe if you can close this out one two better not suit we want to hear from you the audience do you have a behind the scenes story maybe you work in the industry or maybe you had a run-in with production you know you live in new orleans new york whatever and some pa stopped you on the way to work and it was annoying we want to hear about it we want to hear about all of it we love all the stories write us and maybe we'll read it on the show or maybe you just want to tell us that you love us or you really hate us and you want to fact check us because we're wrong about a lot of things. You control us, whatever you want to do. You might even want to guess where Joe or Chris are on any given day of the week. Uh, you can do that by emailing us at filmfolklorepodcast at gmail.com. It's filmfolklorepodcast at gmail.com. We do indeed want to hear from you. You can also find us on the social media. Instagram is Film Folklore Podcast. Facebook group is Film Folklore. Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, at The Film Folk. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us. We really want to hear from you. It's very important to us. Again, we work in the entertainment business, so we need a lot of validation. We're very pathetic sad people and we just we really want to be reviewed we want to know your honest opinion it means a lot to us because you guys mean a lot to us and for any of you that really like us and have some change burning holes in your pockets and have you know just any money at all like a credit card we set up a donation with paypal and patreon links are in the show notes of this episode and our website money helps us do more fun things and we want to entertain you money helps you do more fun things which helps us do more fun things which is also helping you have fun and it would be really nice and we love you thank you bye everybody <laughs> bye